Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, it's episode 50, bitches! It means something. (laughs) Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Slaughter. It's our golden jubilee. I love Emma's reaction earlier when I reminded her, it was just, whoop. That's all it deserves. It's just a number. Yay. Well done. I think. Carry on. So carrying on, I'm going to start with bringing the mood down a lot. What with the murder? A murder. That would be a a bummer on this podcast, wouldn't it? (laughs) Be a real downer for everyone, that would. (laughs) Sorry to kill the party vibes that we usually bring. Um, So I'm going to talk to you first about a girl called Candice Williams. She was born on the 20th of June in 1965 in Birmingham to parents of West Indian descent and she was the youngest of five children. Shortly before her 13th birthday in 1978, her mother sadly died and left her and her siblings in the care of her father, Richard. He seems legit, don't worry. So he's all right? I don't think so. Okay. I saw a photograph of him and he wasn't, (laughs) he didn't have his dick out or anything. So that's, that's the test. So it's not often we get to see a picture of a guy without his dick. So 24th of July that same year, so it was only a couple of months after her mother died, the summer holidays had started and Candice had had chips and fish and chips for lunch at home in Erdington. Straight away I'm thinking they're going to find that in her stomach later. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, and then she went to visit a friend at 12.30, along with her two sisters, Wendy and Regina. And then at 2pm, all the girls headed to a park in Perry Common, where they stopped for about an hour and a half until there was an argument between the girls and Candice walked off, leaving her sisters and her friends behind and heading back to Erdington. And this is really weird. This is everywhere that I lived when I was at university. Oh, shit. Like, I did teaching practices in Perry Common. I lived in Erdington. No. Did you have fish and chips? Probably. From (laughs) kebabish. I always love it when you see a kebabish because it's like kebab-ish. Yeah, like we think. Like we're not quite sure what it's made of. It's round. (laughs) Um, So this was to be the last time that her friends or her family would see her alive. She was reported missing and that day, that evening, her father and her siblings would try and retrace her steps to find out where she'd gone to but they were unsuccessful. So a few hundred yards from the Perry Common Recreation Ground, there was a large block of flats called Wiley House. 
And the tower block had 12 floors with a lift that only went up to the 11th floor. But um, at the time in 1978, the building was mostly inhabited by elderly people. Seems a bit of a cruel trick to play, to be honest. But one such elderly resident of one of these council flats was a man called Arthur Poulton. And he would regularly make the trip from his flat on the 12th floor up the staircase to the rooftop just to check it out. Basically to see that no homeless people were camping out in that staircase and using it as a place to sleep. Although I think he probably made that up. Like why else would you schlep up to the rooftop regularly? I think he's out for a cheeky joint. Yeah, for sure. So Arthur did his usual routine of checking the staircase on the 25th of July at around 2.40pm. On this occasion, the 64-year-old didn't find any down and outs, but something much worse. He found the body of a young girl lying on the landing. So Arthur immediately called the emergency services and a police doctor arrived to officially confirm that the girl was dead. From there, the body was taken to Birmingham Central Mortuary. Well, later that day, Robert Williams was called in to identify his missing daughter, Candice. So after the autopsy, the pathologist concluded that the cause of death had been strangulation. It was deduced that it had been done with some kind of ligature, which turned out to be her own shoelace. Swabs were then taken, which confirmed the presence of semen. Oh. So an incredibly brutal sexual attack that resulted in her death. And there were also quite a lot of hairs found at the scene. And these were could later be used for microscopic comparison as DNA testing wasn't yet being used at this time. But they, could, they were still collecting that sort of samples. And a lot of samples, like the semen, was collected and kept on ice because they knew, although we can't do anything with it now, they were pretty sure that things mm. were going to be happening in a few years' time. I wonder what it'll be like in the future, because considering how far we've come in, what, 50 years, it'll just, I guess everyone will just be tracked all the time and they'll know, they'll but, know as the crime is happening. But then we were talking about this with them. our kids, because they were saying that we shouldn't be allowed to use, or that they heard that you, one of them had heard from their dad, that you weren't allowed to submit certain types of video footage as evidence, because it can be so easily doctored now. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like, if everything's going to be based on tracking us, that sort of system can be hacked. It'll be tracking us from the inside out. You'll have a chip under your skin that goes, they're doing a murder. But even that, you could... A murder hormone. You could, like... Surely, as long as you've made it, you'll force someone to clone it or hack it, Because in Minority Report, they swap his eyes out, don't they? Yeah. Because it's all eye scanning. Yeah. They'll find a way around it. Don't worry, we'll still be able to murder. Otherwise, we won't have a podcast. We're just going to have to go further back in time. (laughs) We've already hit the Tudors. We're going to be in the Stone Age soon. (laughs) Just analysing cave paintings. I'm pretty sure this was smeared with blood. So then, like you said, the contents of Candice's stomach were examined and it revealed, yes, um, potato matter from her last meal of fish and chips, but it also, there was um, the flesh of a peach. And then sometime later, a greengrocer in the area remembered that on the day of her disappearance, he saw a man of about 20 years of age had come into his shop and bought two peaches only. And as he left, the grocer made note of it because he pointed it out to an acquaintance and said, oh, that guy looks a lot like my son. Oh. And when he pointed him out, they noticed that he had gone over to a girl that was waiting for him, quite a young girl, and he'd put his arm around her and walked off. 
that's pretty detailed information considering it's just a, a bloke's older guy, I think. That's pretty handy. Well, after the disappearance, officers just began doing a huge scale door-to-door inquiry. They pretty much covered everyone in Erdington. Yeah. So I think they were made to recall things. And like I said, he pointed, he made a note of noticing this guy and yeah. then to walk off with a 12-year-old girl. It's mm-hmm. like you don't realise what people are going to remember, do you? Like, I could have done something weeks ago that was just a stupid thing. I could have done, I said something in one of my classes, but one of those kids going to remember till they die. I think that when I've met the yeah. thing, I think remember things as a child that someone said and it really sticks with me. I yeah. say so much like stupid, stupid shit to thing my on children. The radio. Yeah. That's going to be with them for their Some life. of them are going to remember that as a memory till they're old and grey. One of them. <laughs> I've said it a few times. I'm sure I've said it before. One of them said we were on a residential and I was telling him he needed to go and have a shower. And he said, you can't tell me what to do. have a shower. Yeah. You stink. He's like, every day. Yes, every day. Um, And he said, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my mum. And I was like, I am your real mum. And then a year later, he came back from secondary school to visit me and said, oh, do you remember that time you said I was your mum? You were my mum. And I was like, yeah, oh, God. Shit. I didn't remember. Please forget about it. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't remember shit. I don't remember what we talked about last week on the podcast. These kids are going to be haunted by my stupid and crap forever. Great power, teacher? great responsibility. So... um. The police, like I said, they were carrying out their inquiries and they also checked up on known sex offenders, things like that. One man who was interviewed during the couple of months of inquiries around this time, they thought that they spoke to around 7,000 people in all. And one of them was a guy called Patrick Hassett. He was born in 1959 and he'd had his first indecent assault that he committed was when he was only 12 years old and it was on a girl of eight years old. So from quite a young age, he'd been fiddling. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still laughing at, I am your real (laughs) mum. Just why? (laughs) I do have a a lot of memories of Emma saying things inappropriately (laughs) when they just don't make sense. Will they be loud? I don't know why that's been remembered for so long. I will never forget. It wasn't even a stupid thing to say. (laughs) Basically, I'll just tell the story. Basically, one time we were on a Christian camp. I was 11. So those guys were all 14. So I was like the weird little one. And there was... (laughs) You were the weird little one. And there was a pet, a a boy and a girl, also teenagers, who said that they were going to be having sex on an airbed. This guy invited me to a party in their tent and he said, oh, do you want to come? And I was really excited because he was so fit. And um, and I'd be doing that thing today when you like look over and like make eye contact and look away and like, oh my God, he's looked at me. And um, that's all you can do at Christian camp. Well, apparently not. Because then he said oh well yeah it's all gonna be really fun we'll party in the tent and all oh, my two friends might be shagging but um don't worry about them it'll be on an airbed and then emma said will they be loud as in i meant like aren't we all gonna get in trouble because we're gonna get caught 
I don't know why everyone remembered it and thought it was so hilarious. Like, oh, this 11-year-old saying, will they be allowed? Yes, it was a legitimate concern that the party was going to be ruined. I would ask that now. That's still... I think he was in the, the wrong for being weird as well, for saying that his friends were just going to be shagging at the side of us. Yeah, when we're talking about killing the party vibes, yeah. I think sitting in a tent next to two writhing sleeping bags is probably one of them. So this guy, Patrick Hassett... They was interviewed and he said that in the early hours of the Monday on which Candice Williams had been murdered, he'd been arrested while drunk and he'd actually been charged with the attempted theft of a lorry, which I love. Because uh, you know that type of drunk. When I could like, drive that. Yeah, I'm getting in it. I'm, off. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it. So in the statement that he gave, he also said that he'd left the station Monday morning and gone straight to his solicitors and only had made it home at about three o'clock that afternoon, about the time the girls were at the park. He said he then slept until he went out to look for his girlfriend at about five o'clock. Another thing that I love that in the 70s, because you couldn't just call her up, you had to literally go out to find your person. Yeah, you can't WhatsApp and then be like, she's read it, she's read it. Yeah, but are they at home? No, they might be in the pub. No, like it's just chance if you get together. So he was unable to locate his girlfriend, Pamela Sambrook. So he went to the pub where he claimed to play pool with three Irishmen until about nine o'clock and then went to another pub to drink with a pair of brothers, John and Jimmy Malone, until 11, then home to bed where he slept until the following afternoon and went out with Pamela. So although he was able to account for his movements all of the time surrounding Candace's murder, lots of those period of times are basically uncorroborated. They, he didn't know who these Irishmen were. There's no one had seen him with anyone. There's no proof of any of it. However, at this time, he wasn't, there was nothing else to link him to this case. And so there weren't any further investigations carried out into his whereabouts. Though we've had quite a lot of nights like that where we were like, oh, remember those blokes we were talking to for about three hours? And then we went off down the street to that other bar and met some random stag party and then hung out with them for a while. That's definitely, I've had a few of those. Plenty. So two years later, nothing had been had happened 1980 things would finally begin to change in this year there were two quite violent rapes on girls in the same area of birmingham and it was suggested by the press at the time that these attacks were linked to the murder of candace williams mainly due to the fact that it was a sexual attack on girls of the same age exact same area but despite this a total separate um, perpetrator was convicted of these 1980 attacks but while the press were bringing up the Candice Williams case again, and it was on the headlines and it was in a lot of people's minds, Pamela Sandbrook came forward to the police. So 21st of November... I made that quite dramatic. I know. 21st of November, 1980. She gave a statement to police in which she said that a day or two after Candice's murder had become public knowledge... Her boyfriend, Hassett, had shown up at her flat with scratches all over his neck and he told her that this had happened when he was being arrested for the lorry theft, theft, that the police had roughed him up and that's how it happened. She said it looked like claws or like cat scratches all over, just all over his neck. Some really bitchy police if that's what had happened. <laughs> so he said that it was likely that police would be coming and asking her questions about his whereabouts on the night of the murder and asked her if she would lie for him. 
She said that she wouldn't lie to save him and so he was forced to come up with his pub alibi. Following this breakthrough, police arrested Hassett on the 3rd of December 1980. Hair samples were taken, but while they were similar enough to those taken from the murder scene to keep him as a suspect, they thought there were some microscopic differences. Again, it's just microscope inspection to compare, I mean, not it could DNA be like yet. Different shampoo. Could be a little smudge on the glass, like. Yeah. But this meant that he was he had to be released. That was the only thing they had on him. So 1983 now, Hassett found himself imprisoned, but for a different crime. He was sentenced to serve 18 months in prison for an assault when he dragged a woman into a car and tried to attack her. Not long after he was released, he was in prison again. This time, it was for a brutal attack on a 12-year-old girl. He was working as a labourer in Tamworth and he'd taken a schoolgirl into his van but was caught when a woman heard screams coming from the back of his van and took down the registration number. And he was basically caught almost red-handed. Fuck. And this he was convicted to serve 10 years for. But this conviction was made possible, as well as the fact that the woman took down the registration number. Now they had DNA testing, so they were able to no doubt about it. And this, combined with the fact that the victim had a similar profile to that of Candice William, age, area, all of those things again, made police think, right, he's got to be our prime suspect for this one. So while at Shrewsbury Prison in 1985... I've been there. Oh, yeah. That's why I had that. Yeah. The, the tour from the ex-prison guard. Yeah, I bet he'd worked with him. I bet he did. Let's go back. Yeah. So they went there, 1985, and they interviewed him again about Candice's murder, but he was wholly uncooperative, wasn't saying anything. So at the time, I'm not sure if it's still the case now, but possibly. By the time, while in prison, he's considered that he's in the custody of the Home Office. So there's a Protection of Evidence Act where the police can't, force anyone to give them dna samples unless they're in police custody and even then it has to be done by a proper forensic person so they could only ask him if he would give samples that they could use for dna and of course he refused so in order to take them forcefully they were going to have to wait until they could get him in their custody again So July 1988 now, 10 years after Candice Williams was murdered, police visited him again to ask for samples. I don't know if they just thought, he'll have forgotten the last one. (laughs) But now he was aware of the new DNA technologies. I mean, now there was going to be inmates coming in who would have been convicted on the back of this. Yeah. So they knew all the latest things. Mm -hmm. And he was pretty sure a match was going to be likely and refused again. So... February 20th, 1991, Patrick Hassett was released from Wakefield Prison, where he was then being held, but very quickly picked up by the police and taken to Erdington Station, where he was going to be expected to finally give these samples. Um, He agreed that they could take them, but only that they could take hair samples, because he said he was allergic to needles, so no... Can you be allergic things. to needle? I guess the metal. I don't know. But that just shows they that he knew that that was the harder one to prove. Um, so the hair was tested using, at the time, the latest single locus probe technologies. And they estimated the chances that from this hair, the semen that was found on Candice's body, not matching him, 
the chances were one in 12,000. So that was enough for them to take him to trial, which began on the 3rd of March 1992, and he pled not guilty. Um, a lot of the trial was still focused on proving the validity of DNA testing to the jury. But on the 18th of March 1992, he was found guilty by a majority jury, 10 to 2, and was sentenced to life imprisonment. However, he's still there now. He has tried to appeal it a couple of times in 2016, but it was completely squashed. And the fact that he had murdered Candice and then continued yeah, to attack young girls. Incredibly dangerous person. Yeah, just showing that he's really prone to re-offence. He's not shown yeah. much remorse. And I think it's unlikely he's ever going to be let out. Good. Well, that's that one. If he is, watch your back. He sounds awful. Proper wrong Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Okay, so I have got a another UK true crime for you. So this is the story of Ang Zhang Du. And he was a businessman who ran a Chinese herbal remedy shop in Birmingham. So another Birmingham story for you. Um, and he owned the store with a professor, Jifeng, who went by Jeff, thank God, um, last name Ding, and his wife, Helen Chu. Now, uh, Jeff was a lecturer at Manchester Met University. Um, and then just chilled in the herbal remedy shop? Well, I think he co-owned it, but he didn't. he wasn't there. Ah, so he partner. just owned it because they lived in Northampton, which was ages away as well. So I, I mean, I don't know how he's streamline your life. Yeah, 
Lectured in Manchester, shop in Birmingham, lived in Northampton. Pretty much. Their carbon footprint is fucking massive. <laughs> they should be convicted just for that. Um, do and the dings. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a sitcom, doesn't it? Waiting to happen. Became involved in a legal dispute when the business failed. So the shop in Birmingham didn't work out. And it was this really dragged out long case where they were taking him to court and then he was uh, trying to get out of it. And in the end, they said that he had to pay £88,000. So he had to basically... Uh, sell all his assets and declare declare himself bankrupt um, to be sort of sell this case. I declare bankruptcy! Yeah, so the Ding family were originally from China. They had two children, Zing and Alice. So Zing was 12 and Alice... Sorry, Zing was 18 and Alice was 12. So that means her name is Zing Ding. I mean, that's more of a little tune than a name, isn't it? Um, It's cute. Yeah. Alice and Zing were good at music. I mean, Zing had a head start. And Zing was really, really intelligent. She just got into medical school, so she was going to become a doctor. Now, the Dings lived in an old, uh, developed Royal Pioneer Corps in Northampton. And I looked up the house, and it did say there was a website for interesting information for Pioneer Close, which is where they lived. Nothing about a murder. That's probably the first thing I'd want to know. No, it's the last thing you want to know if you're moving there. Someone's probably been murdered on every street you've lived in. Do you think? Well... Or at least raped. But not recently. Or mugged. Or, like, been spat on. Or trod in a dog shit. Trod in a dog shit, definitely. I mean, it's a broad spectrum of shit things that have happened. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, someone's probably died in every house, unless it's a new build. Oh, that's true. For sure. Um, so, like when Mortimer died in my house. Aww. That was a long time ago now. Look, I still love that mouse. <laughs> For three hours that you had with him. You shoved it's, him in the garden and left him to die. It's not about how long the love lasted, but how strong the emotions were. How many photos you took? <laughs> how many Instagram posts you made? <laughs> so 29th of April 2011, Kate and Will... Got married. The nation celebrated. I remember watching it, actually, and I can't believe it was that long ago because that makes me feel really old. I was in Italy and, like, me and my friend had taken a load of Union Jack flags and waved them off our balcony in the morning. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Why? (laughs) We're from Britain. We're part of this. Look, the Italians were going mad for it in the village we were in. I worked with uh, someone called Will and he had a girlfriend called Kate and they got a free pizza. (laughs) I remember watching like a really awful made-for-TV movie about Will and Kate. And it was, it's so funny because the actors are still American. <laughs> um, so on the same day as Will and Kate got married, this is not about them. Well, while the world's distracted, yeah. it's the perfect time to strike. So Do got a train from Coventry to Birmingham, stopped at his house, the family home, and he wrote a farewell letter to his family, got back on another train and went to Northampton. And then he walked... He's the- made of money. To say he's bankrupt, <sighs> yeah. train fares like that, Yeah, he's balling. So he walked from the train station to the bus station and he got a bus to the Dings okay, house. Okay, run out of money then. I mean, life is hard when you don't have a car, right? Um, and he went to the Dings house and he got there about 3.30pm because the whole day travelling. And then he went through the back door into the house. Now, when he got there, 
he demanded that they pay him the money that he's owed through this court case. And obviously they said, no, leave, get out of the house. And uh, he retaliated by stabbing both the parents, Jeff and Helen, to death in the kitchen. Oh, my God. So the two girls were upstairs while this is happening. That makes no sense to do it, to do that over money, because you're not going to get it now. Yeah. Blackmail them. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I think if, they, if they'd known their life was at stake, they would have paid it, obviously. So, they should have asked us. Um, so uh, the girls upstairs phoned the police and uh, the 22nd call that they made was actually played later in court. 20 seconds? Only oh, 20 seconds. as in like 20 seconds long. I thought you meant like they'd had to ring 22 times. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, bloody hell. The police were all watching the <laughs> wedding. Well, they weren't much better because... Uh, yeah, so it lasted 20 seconds and it was female screams and then the call cut off. Which, I, I mean, I'm not sure how that did happen because on a smartphone, it's not that easy to hang up. Particularly if you're... I don't think they would have hung up. So he must have taken the phone off them and hung up. I just... I, I was confused about the whole thing. I would have thought it would just have carried on. But anyway, it's not important. So unfortunately, the call, although the call did mean that they traced it to where they thought it came from and um, who it belonged to. They, the team that went out to investigate went to the wrong house and they got there and basically there was no one there and they said, right, well, case closed. It's obviously, it was a misdial or something. So, do this is the horrible bit, stabbed the two girls and then he left the whole family massacred in the house. Oh, the um, girls died too? Yeah, so oh 51, 51 strikes if you added up all the all the stab wounds of the whole family. So really, really horrific crime. Four victims at once. He then had a nap. He went to sleep in the house. We've seen That's that before. The, yeah, we've had a lot of like stab naps. Do you think it's like a stab fatigue? Do you think it's like a dominance thing or like a because it's it such really a really tires you out. Well I I don't want to sound flippant, but maybe it does, in that it's the reason yeah, they're doing it is they're like they need to get this anger out and I mean there's loads of Freudian things I could say about this and he's like oh they've got to get out Thanatos have you heard about that get out the what the death drive Thanatos that we all have um, our desire for destruction but I guess it is really frenzied and high energy and like you're operating at a really you know um, high frequency um, of adrenaline for a long extended period of time although people did say that when he was on the public transport he didn't act stressed or upset in I mean way. I would be tired after that bus journey <laughs> yeah travel's tiring he took a nap and then he stole the family's car because there's no way he's doing that journey again and um, he drove to the services on the M1 near Northampton and he bought a map I mean why'd you buy a map in 2011 surely smartphones are a thing I didn't have one in 2011 oh no 2011 yeah I yeah. finished uni yeah who, has, who needs to buy a map anymore? Low bugger. Old um, men. So, yeah, so he bought a map and a banana milk. My shake. dad wouldn't have had one in 2011. People planning a wedding, they're the only people who buy maps. Why? Because <laughs> you do it for table decorations, don't you, and shit. Oh, right, okay. Decoupage. Stick it on stuff. I used it to back the tortoises' terrarium so it looks like... He's going somewhere. Oh, this is where you could have gone if <laughs> yeah. you weren't in a shitty cage. He loves that. <laughs> he doesn't love it. 
He wants to be in the wild. Okay. So. He doesn't. He wants to be fucking hand-fed. Until he go missing for like a year. Yup. <laughs> and then someone was in like the newspaper, the local news, being like, oh, our tortoise went missing for three days and then we found him. I was like, bitch, my tortoise was missing for three months and I found him at a house party. That is a way better newsworthy story. <laughs> than yeah, this that one. is a good story. Right, we're going to record that and put it on the Patreon at some point in detail. It's basically at the end of the story. Oh, shit. <laughs> Gave it away for free. Oh. So he also tries to call in on a former colleague while he's in the area, um, but he's out. Networking. Um, never miss an opportunity. And Lily drove to London. Now, usually, if you drive to London, um, the the number plate on your car, there's auto recognition software as you get into London, and it will pick up that the cars entered that area, but it didn't work in this case. So there wasn't any record that the Diggles car had actually entered the London area so he was sort of off the radar then so he ditched the car which immediately got a parking ticket I mean it is London and he actually left it for 11 days and he got nine parking tickets in that time someone was slacking for two days weekend I always think that I think which which traffic wardens out on a Sunday none I'll park where I like I never do that I don't park in double yellows I loved be. I w- always wanted to be a traffic warden. Really? It went milkman, zookeeper, traffic warden, <laughs> Ofsted inspector. Milkman. I just like being in Locking control. Up the house I like getting people done. <laughs> in more ways than one. You know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, after this, dude doesn't return home, but he stays somewhere in London for that night it's unaccounted for and the next day he buys a ticket to Paris via coach through the is it the Eurotunnel Eurostar some... it's fucking expensive it'll be Euro nothing soon when we leave the EU and um, he uses his own passport so there's a trace that he's bought this ticket to leave the country now Dew's wife not knowing that he's committed these murders reports him as missing and the police start looking for him and try to find him and actually they do call at the Ding's house as a close associate to see if he's there and they knock on the door there's no answer no idea that these bodies are inside and then just leave and don't come back so it's the same day that the, a neighbour calls round to the house and finds the bodies and calls the police I can't imagine any of my neighbours finding my body in my house we're not on that close terms no they'd just be like hello and walk in that's weird but nice it's like the olden days where everyone would pop around for a pie isn't that what people did for a pie yeah and they'd help themselves i'm gonna do my weekly shop for you that's what i'd I'd love that and you can have a wave and a smile piss off (laughs) so do then travels from france to spain and then he goes to morocco from there um, and at first, I feel like when you first told it, it seemed like it was a real just panic spur of the moment. But the fact that he's like going off immediately yeah. makes me think that this is premeditated. I mean, he obviously had his passport on him. Yeah, I think he had just really, really grown his anger towards this couple and felt like they'd wronged him in this joint venture that they'd done and they hadn't lost out and he had lost out and probably his life savings had gone that he'd just harboured this grudge for so long if he had enough money to get the trains the flights to Spain the flights to Morocco he had some in the bank I don't know at first the police weren't looking for do they were looking for 
well, they they assumed that the dad, it was a murder suicide, because they're all dead. They always do when the mum and dad have died. Yeah, they always go, dad's done it. Um, but then when they started to look into it, they saw that there were defensive wounds that it couldn't have been that case. And then he was named the chief suspect. Obviously, they looked at who they knew. They'd found out about him being told he owed the money uh, the, the day before and then the fact that he'd left the country now. So they were totally looking for due. He was in the newspapers. It was a really high-profile case. Although I've never heard of it, so not high-profile no, me enough. neither. Maybe I was overshadowed by the wedding. Um, so he does get arrested in Algeria, but for being an illegal immigrant and doesn't tell them his name, doesn't tell them who he is. So they let him go. So they did have him for a while and then they let him go because they had no idea. And it's actually 14 months later that anything happens. So he's hiding out quite successfully for quite a long time. And he stays in Morocco during that time and police are looking for him in Madrid because they think they've traced him from France to Spain and then I think they just sort of stopped the trail went cold and they just thought well this is our best chance so what we're learning is it's harder to have a successful herbal Chinese remedy business than it is to hide out in Nigeria for a year <laughs> yeah they they continued to publicise photos of Dew in the press um, and when one is actually printed in a Moroccan newspaper along with the crimes that he committed a construction worker called the press and said, I, I know where Dew is. So they go and they find him. And it's surprising that he recognised him because he looks completely dishevelled. He looked a mess. So they find him, beard and all, hiding in a derelict block of flats in a, uh, with a homemade little bed, uh, sort of like a homeless person, with a little gas cooker. And he was arrested and extradited back to the UK. So his court case was put back several times so originally it was due to take place in Northampton um, and then they changed the location to Nottingham they then had to reschedule it again um, because there were issues with the staff, they had to cancel it once everyone was there waiting and the Mandarin translator didn't turn up so they had to throw all that out because there's no one there to translate Um, so it took absolutely ages to actually get this trial happen and he was charged with four counts of murder and his de- he denied all of them he said he did them because <laughs> i just love living <laughs> on a camp bed yeah. in a block of flats abroad i mean prison's probably better um so as so he said he said that he'd done the, the crimes but he he didn't want to plead to murder i think he either wanted to go insanity or Sort of. Or he just like stabbed manslaughter, like he'd stabbed yeah. them and didn't want them to die. Yeah. I just wanted to stab every single member of the family a bit. So his defence argued that he'd been depressed and stressed prior to the attack. So that's all right then. Um, and they also said he was very remorseful for his crimes. He's sorry. <laughs> He's really sorry. He's going to cry a bit. The CCTV evidence was played in court showing Dew walking calmly to get the bus and evidence also showed uh, that the father and daughter had defensive wounds on their hands they tried to save themselves so a lot of the things that he was saying about being stressed and about not really meaning to kill them 
um, didn't really play into that evidence. So he was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 40 years and he was 56 during the sentence. So he'd have to be about 96 if he was ever going to get out of prison. So probably he is going to die in prison unless he's super healthy. Well, he knows a lot of herbal remedies. That's true. Um, He can get them in prison. (laughs) And the Ding's relatives said they felt happy with the sentence and justice had been served. Although I think they probably would have been happier if their family hadn't been massacred in the first place. Um, On a side note, I I put on Instagram actually that I did uh, Roald Dahl's um, Lamb to the Slaughter with my year sevens. I loved it when I did that at school. Yeah, I remember it. And I was like, is this going to be the next generation of true crime enthusiasts because they remember this story? But um, they... They were trying to like catch me out on crimes and they kept shouting out things like, Do you know this one? And one was like, Yeah, do you know John Bonnet? Yeah, I think the brother did it. Like, honestly, didn't miss a beat. And then they were trying to come up with their their perfect true crimes. And I was casting them all to the sides. So they were like, I think I'd try and make I'd make them unconscious and then make it look like they're behind. I was like, Well, actually, did you know that there will be chemicals in the bloodstream that show that they haven't had a struggle and they haven't had the stress that they would have if they were awake. So that wouldn't work <laughs> really in depth. And they're like, it's really hard to murder someone, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes it is. You've put a worrying amount of thought into this, haven't you, Miss? <laughs> but um one of them asked me what my favourite murder was. Um I was like, oh I think Graham Young I still always liked Graham Young, yeah. Yeah, so I said Graham Young was my favourite. I just love him because he was already, like, trying to poison people as a child. Yeah. And I always think about children in my class, like, you're probably trying to poison me. Yeah. I I never leave... If I leave my tea in the room unattended, I will never drink it when I go back. I have one kid that I think is going to murder someone. He used to, the way he used to look at me when I told him off, I was like, he's literally planning a hundred different ways to stab me. I've had a few that I think will definitely murder someone. Well, not definitely. But we hope not. They'll they'll be in prison for absolute certainty. For sure. But then I get to, when they get to that teenage age, they're all a little bit murdery, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They've all Angsty. got that murder look. <laughs> they're all at like, one point or another look like they're going to rip your head off. That's what their parents say at parents' evening as well. They're always like, oh, they just go in their room and I'm a bit scared of them, actually. <laughs> Please help me. Well, I don't know what to fucking do. I made the choice not to have one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's your own fault. Anyway. Right, enough rambling. Well, I'm trying to just pad it out because it's a fucking <laughs> short episode. Sorry, guys. No, fuck it. <laughs> I can have it. So, um... Can you please write us a review? Uh, or if you would like to... I'm not going to read it. <laughs> well, we might. <laughs> we'll read the tweets. We've had some lovely tweets. Keep tweeting us. That's lovely. At Slaughter the Pod. Um, you can join our Facebook group just to search for S apostrophe laughter um, true crime podcast on Facebook and you will find us. Um, you can buy some of the new merch we've got up. It's on Spreadshirt. It's on Threadless. We've got the new design of the little gremlin with Slash and Dash on his chest, which is cute. Um, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash slaughter the podcast if you would like to sign up to be a patron of the podcast. And if you like this podcast and you're thinking of starting your own true crime podcast, don't bother. Just listen to us some more. Yeah, like... There's enough now. Let's just stop. And remember, we're going to put everyone on the spot now. Listening to Slaughter doesn't make you a psycho.
Nope. It doesn't. <laughs> We've given up. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 